For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to anshe.co slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Well, welcome to the Anshi Spoke podcast. Today is an episode with just the two of us, Jenny and Sandy. We haven't been doing a lot of solo or duet. (laughs) Duet is maybe the right word. Dual (laughs) episodes in the last few months, partly because life is nuts and partly because we had just this awesome array of guests already booked. So we wanted to pop in. We've been doing a lot of mindset work internally with one another within our team and with with our clients. This episode just sort of, like we couldn't hold it in any longer. We just wanted to come and share this concept with all of you that has been just so meaningful for us as of late. So Sandy, let's talk about this multiplier mindset. Sure. So we are, I'm literally going to go live in our group, in our inner circle group for a mindset call. And we're going to teach this exact same thing. So we thought we'd do a call. We are sorry, we do a podcast on it. (laughs) Okay. So multiplier mindset created by Dan Sullivan, full credit to him. And I love it. I heard about it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I lost, I couldn't find where I initially saw it and I found it again. And I just, all I want to do is talk about this. So here it is. Do you want to just go through the four? I'll just list off the four steps and then we'll go into each one. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So first, so there's four levels to this. The first one is commitment. The next one is courage. The next one is capability and then confidence. And I love this. And here's why. If you want to build a business or if you want to create something or you want to set a goal, you want to lose weight, you want to stop drinking, you want to 
launch a program, you want to learn something new, whatever it is, you have to commit to that goal. You have to be willing to do whatever is necessary and in also to feel whatever is necessary to reach that goal. You need to be committed to your idea. And so that means you got to have some strong whys behind you. Mm-hmm. So I think people get caught up in those in different ways with this idea of commitment. So I think for some people, the idea of doing what it takes is the barrier. Maybe they just don't feel excited or, or ambitious enough or you know, whatever to actually want to take the steps. And then some of us are very ambitious, naturally want to take on anything, anything, the harder, the better. But then we slip up on this idea of being able to feel whatever we need to feel to accomplish those steps. And so I think that's interesting. At least that's my appraisal of it is that like different people get stuck in different places in this path. And it's helpful to have some self-introspection to think about like where you are. Are you lacking in the motivation or the ambition? Or are you lacking in sort of the commitment to feeling hard things and pushing through? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are, are lacking there. But what's so interesting, so in this model goes commitment, you commit to an idea, and then the next stage is courage. You need to have courage to do what you need to do and feel what you need to feel. And people, and I, we were just saying this before we hit record, is like courage feels or sounds like a really gorgeous kind of noble word, like I'm going to be courageous, but it actually feels really terrible. It feels really uncomfortable to be courageous. And the message here is that when you are courageous and doing something and feeling something hard, nothing's gone wrong. Like I think a lot of people in business or in life even think that it should, we should just be happy all the time and it should be easy and it just should just flow towards us or whatever. But to be courageous feels awful. Hmm. And I think that's a big breaking point for people. They don't expect that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were talking about this before too, Sandy, that I think courage and grit are really similar. And we've done a podcast on grit a million years ago. There's a great book on grit that we had read at that point. And I think courage, we identify the idea of courage as courage until it starts to feel hard or painful. And then it starts to be identified the same concept starts to get identified as grit when you actually have challenges and obstacles to address. And so I think it's also helpful to tease these concepts apart yourself. And like, maybe you identify, I think of the word courage. And I think of like a little superhero on the top of a mountain with a cape flapping in the wind, like courage. And then I think about grit and that feels a lot more real to me, like my actual life. Mm-hmm. And Every so day. It's, it's almost easier for me. Like courage is such a concept that is just un realistic for so many of us, I think, because we identify it as like this heroic act that's not relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, th- I think that I've heard just some, you know, comments in our community where people are like, like I will say, like, are you committed to feeling whatever you need to feel, which is basically, are you courageous enough to do this? And they will be like, let's see, we'll find out. And to me, it's like, oh, no, 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 that's not commitment. That's let me see how I feel in the moment. And then if it's too hard, I'll probably back out. The next step, if we move into the next level is like you commit, you feel courageous, you do what you need to do. And over time, by being courageous and doing things and learning new skills, you increase your capability. And as soon as you increase your capability, you've proven to yourself that you can do something or experience something. And then the confidence starts to set in. And confidence always 
means that you can look back in your history, look back in pat in the past and say, oh, look, I've done that. I am confident because I have proven to myself that I've already done that. So I just love working through this because you got to commit, you got to feel courageous and do things, and then you increase your skills, you become capable. And once you increase capability, you are now confident because you've already done it. You've done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the most interesting observation from looking at this framing for the multiplier mindset is that you have to go through the hard things to get to that place of confidence. Like you actually can't, I don't think it's realistic to assume you can just be confident because you decide to be confident that the confidence actually comes. Like maybe you have an idea that you want to be confident, but you're like that sort of true knowing that you can do something. Well, that's self-confidence. I would define that as self-confidence, which you can think anything you want about yourself and your abilities and your capabilities, right? Yeah. It doesn't need past history or past evidence to prove it to yourself, right? So self-confidence is what you're talking about. Like, I will figure it out. I will go through whatever I need to go through to get there. I will feel, I think the phrase is always like, no matter what, I will do anything, no matter what. And so confidence comes with the past and, and self-confidence is just a, a thought you decide to think. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I definitely feel like it's easier for me to feel confident about something that I've done before. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Maybe self-confidence is the idea that I could take it on, that I know that if I follow through, mm -hmm. it's possible, right. even if I've never done it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Because otherwise I, yeah. you're just stuck. Jenny, right? Like you're just doing the yeah. same things you've already done in the past. You're looking for historical evidence of what mm -hmm. you can do in the future. And you're just like, I can do that because you've already done it, but you'll never learn new skills. You'll never expand into a greater version if you only look at that, at past things. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I just try to think just everyone has their own version of this, right? But thinking like so many of us are moms or parents, right? So thinking about the terror of being handed the baby to go home from the hospital or just being handed from the, the doula or the midwife, like now this is yours. You'll figure it out. Like the, the first time, the first few days are so scary. And then once you've changed enough diapers and fed the baby enough and like kept the baby alive for like a week, you're like, okay, I can have a baby. I can, do this. I can do this. But there's that like terror, right? And you just sort of, that's like, I think where that trust in yourself comes from. That's where like, yes, you've never done it before, but you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able to make that leap for yourself. Yes, which is by my definition of self-confidence is just simply thinking away. Like I never felt that terror when my child was born ever. I was like oh my so God, excited. And that just came from a different set of thoughts that I generated, right? Yeah. I never felt terror. I was just like in awe. Oh my gosh. Excited. So, um, but yeah, with self-confidence, you can think anything you want about yourself, but you're also, it's super important to be very kind to yourself, right? So if you make a mistake, you're not like berating yourself. You're not being mean to yourself. You are kind and loving towards yourself, which is really hard for people to do sometimes. So what are some tricks that or tips that we can share with folks about how to be more loving in those moments where we naturally maybe aren't? Well, I think it's just an awareness. I hear people talk in like our calls and they say all these things and it's like, did you just hear what you said about yourself? 
and they don't even know, right? So it's becoming the observer of your mind, bringing awareness to what those actual stories or tapes that are running through your own mind, what are they? And just to recognize them and like, no, you know what? I won't tolerate that. Like I would never say to you some of the things I hear myself say to myself, right? So I think that it goes back to this commitment and I want something. I have a goal and I know that I will never get there if I speak negatively towards myself. So that, that kind of stuff, those are the easiest things to drop. Like if you have a, if you hear yourself being really mean to yourself, like hearing how stupid you are or how wrong you are, or how you can't do this or you're useless, those are so easy to drop. You can just be aware of it and replace it with something else, right? Because who wants to, you know, some of those are deeper beliefs, but it just takes practice to replace those with, with thoughts that you actually want to keep. Is there a way for, obviously coaching is one way for people to realize what their internal thoughts are and process them, mm -hmm. but are there some other techniques like journaling or what are some, what are some tools that people can use to help even unpack and uncover this? Because I think so often we don't even have the awareness of what we're thinking. Right. So one of the best tools that I've been using recently is just, it's literally a thought download. Like, and I, I don't even think you know this, I do this, but every morning before I, as I sit at my desk, I pull out my journal and I do a total thought download. So I actually write at the top of the page, like I think, and then dot, dot, dot. And then I write, pay, like each line is one thought and they are jumbled and they're not in, in proper sentences. And they're just like, whatever, like all topics all over the place. And I can look and I can examine like what is happening in my mind today. Sometimes I will also theme it. So if it's about my health or my husband or my, the business or customers or whatever. And like, what do I think about this topic? Cause it's really bothering me. And I will just do it out and then I can look and observe it. And it's different to write it down versus just to like, what am I thinking about today? Right. And we just recorded a money mi mindset podcast. that will be released soon. And it's also asking yourself good questions. That's how you discover. And I was, had to think this through as I prepared for the money mindset episode is like, People, you know, if you're like, what do you think about money? It's too generous. It's too, or too general, I should say. You know, what do you think about wealthy people? Who comes to mind? Do you think that they're greedy? Do you think that they're evil? And you, it's like just these good questions to start prompting you to pull up these beliefs that you're not even aware of. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. I know that you catch me a lot making sort of self-judgment comments. And I think it's really helpful to also, I don't know, I appreciate being called out on it because I don't always notice it. So I think it's really brave to point it out when you see someone else saying something negative about themselves, like just even if sort of under their breath. I think a lot of us, especially women, do that as a, like a safety technique. It's a way to like signal that we're, you know, that we don't think we're above the other people mm -hmm. in the community. I don't know why we do it, but I, it's a definitely a learned, like as oh, a girl, sure. I remember learning sure to sort of be mm -hmm. self-deprecating constantly as a, as a safety mechanism. And always apologizing, right? Like, oh, yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry, excuse me, can I interrupt, you know, and not just to demand attention or demand an answer or an explanation or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what's funny is like when I hear you say something, and I know you do it 
for me too, because it's always for me, it's always around my intelligence. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I just can't stand hearing you say that, whatever it is that you're saying. Yeah. It's like, it's just not true, Jenny, right? But it's your brain yeah. telling you. And same for me. Yeah, it is good to have a partner who just, a friend who just is like, wait, did you just hear what you just said? Just listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, oh, I can't believe I said that. Yeah, it's super helpful. Well, I'm just thinking about this list and the outcome of this of this multiplier mindset is confidence. And I just encourage everyone to realize that in the case of what we teach and what we do, building a business is like you're constantly challenged to learn new skills and take on new challenges that you have never taken on before. And so using a framework like this to start to think about those, think through those difficult steps that you may need to take, whether it's starting from scratch from day one, or whether it's five years in like we are, where we just have different problems now or different challenges, right? And if there's a constant opportunity for growth and for you to start to become confident in new skills, and you're going to be able to increase your capabilities and increase your skill set and your ability to handle bigger and bigger and more complicated problems. So the only way to do it is to start where you are and start to work through them. So I just encourage everyone to really think about using a tool like this. A framework is often helpful for humans cognitively to break down complicated concepts, you know, and be able to apply them to their own lives. And so this is one that's just proven really effective for us and for, for others as well. So I encourage you to, to take it on. And I also think too, that the more you go through this, the more confident you you can you become because you know that you can feel whatever you need to feel to learn whatever you need to learn, right? Like it's sort of mm-hmm. this, this it sort of like speeds up because you're in the beginning, you're like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. I have no confidence. And then you do it to learn a skill and then you do, and you're like, you feel more confident in learning new things because you've done it in the past and you can prove it to yourself, right? So it starts mm-hmm. to sort of speed up that you're like so much more familiar with the discomfort and you're not yeah, afraid of it right. and you don't quit. And you're like, I know I've been here before. I've been here before. I know this takes courage. I know this feels like super crappy right now, but I am confident that I've done it before. I will get through this. I will learn how to use Facebook ads. <laughs> now I have a skill and now I feel confident and you just keep repeating it and you can go through it faster. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I mean, I feel like if presented with the challenges that we've been presented with in the last few months, like and it were four years ago, we would not have been in a position to be able to handle them, right? So that's just showing the trajectory of like, you sort of get what you can handle at any given time. And you, you have to, your ability to, to overcome something or to address something responsibly is what allows you to move on to the next level and whatever you're taking on. And in our case, we talk a lot about business you're not going to, if, as long as you are willing to be uncomfortable and do whatever it takes to solve a problem, you're never going to get to a place where it's too hard. Just know that solving the problems at whatever stage you're in or like that process of solving those problems and overcoming those challenges is exactly what you need to do in order to be able to face the ones that you're going to have six months from now or two years from now. It's totally worth it though. Like you walk out, I'm a different person, right? You are a different person. Yeah. And we talk about entrepreneurship as a pathway towards self-actualization and it really is true. You work yourself into becoming a new person. And it's not to say, well, first of all, I want to say to that, the phrase that I think sums this up is discomfort is the price of growth. Yeah. You can't grow without being uncomfortable. Otherwise, you're not growing. Like you've not, you're not challenging yourself. You're not learning anything new. To learn anything new, you got to be uncomfortable. 
Okay, so we're gonna move into the joy and hustle. <laughs> what is the joy and hustle? <laughs> so I have the joy, which is also, I don't know if it's joyful to have to wear a mask, but I found something that I liked. And who knows when this airs if this is even going to be considered appropriate <laughs> as a mask anymore. What is that? Okay, I'm gonna put it on so it's gonna get muffled okay. here into the okay. microphone. It looks like a cowboy. <laughs> picture is worth a thousand words it's and like a, video a, is it's like a, a cowboy it's like dust no, you know like a, it is a kerchief you know a like bandana a bandana mask. that's right you need a cowboy hat all right but it's sewn as a triangle it's really really awesome and it has this leather this amazing like little leather tie at the back so you can resize it really easily you don't have to tie knots or wear these like horrifying elastic bands behind your ears and i have just been not satisfied with any of the masks I've tried. And this is a whole thing like mask culture that I'm just learning about. We're all learning about together and it's awful. But anyway, Ray's Case is this amazing maker brand that is known for making handbags and keychains and stuff like that. And they have just come out with this line of these like bandana masks. And so when our pandemic is over, I'm going to be able to use this as a bandana or a headscarf or like it's going to have all these other uses and not this like horrifying elastic band mask over my ears. So how often that's do you wear a bandana? Joy. How are you going to wear a bandana? I... I don't, I mean, isn't this, <laughs> I look like a, a Cub Scout. It's around my neck. I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> Sandy. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. I know I do. I actually do like the little adjustability. That is kind of cool. The elastics don't bother me. I'm totally oh fine God. with it. Well, I have big, I must have big ears because they're incredibly bothersome to me. And I've, I spent a lot of time on the internet trying to find a solution. So I'm just saying like, this is, oh, you're getting this joy. It's the product of many hours of internet searching. Research, research. Oh my God. All right. Hustle. All right. So we were talking about digital minimalism. Yeah. You want to talk about it, Sandy? Yeah. There's, um, Cal Newport is an author that we read his first book, which was called which was called Jenny. Deep Work, Sandy. Deep Work, thank you. It was one of our favorite books. I'm not books. sure that's his first book or not. Okay, but the first book but that a, we read, that we mentioned. That we talked about on a podcast. We loved it. And then his, you discovered his most recent work, which is called Digital Minimalism. And it's, I'm not quite done, but so I good. love the philosophy of it so much. So it's interesting for all of us living through COVID, how much time we're spending online. I think there's some amazing concepts in there about boundaries. Yeah. It's just, it's really good. It's really good. I think we all need to hear it, especially those of us who have teenagers and who all, you know, children not in school. It's a little hard to face actually, but it's so good. It's definitely, definitely worth a read. My summary, my takeaway from that book, and there's lots, but the big takeaway is just that these tools, these online tools and, and tech tools that we engage with on a daily basis, like they're theoretically, we use them and we use devices because they're here to serve us and bring something of value. It's a net, should be a net positive in our lives. And so the problem is that the tools were all devised to hijack our attention and to get us to stay using them maybe longer than what we had planned and to use them in different ways. And that's just what. Tech, how t most tech tools are designed. So the opportunity is for you to remember why you want to use a tool or an app or device in the first place and then set your own limits and your own structure for how you engage with that technology. It has to work with your values. Yeah, it has to work with your values and, it, and you have to build in whatever you need to build in to set those limitations for yourself so that 
that tool actually does work for you. So here's an example. I've talked about Facebook so much, but Facebook is extremely triggering for me and for lots and lots and lots of other people. I cannot stand the idea of encountering the newsfeed on Facebook. So I choose to only visit Facebook through a computer that has that has Chrome open and I'm using the Newsfeed Eradicator Chrome extension. And then I only use it to go to certain Facebook groups that I'm in for business or, you know, some personal reason. And I only go into groups where I sort of have consented to be in and to see what's in there and chosen to be in. And so I don't ever end up, I mean, sometimes some groups are really big. Like I can think one I'm in in particular that relates to COVID where I do end up sort of like doom scrolling in there and I have to set time limits for myself if I'm going to go into that group. But for the most part, I go into a group, I do what I need to do and I get out and it does not feel like Facebook. It doesn't feel that my time and my attention and my soul has been hijacked by that platform. So that's an example. So our everything that you engage with on the internet or any tool that you buy, a phone or a device, you should really figure out why you acquired it why you are interested in using it and then like actually use it for that reason and not allow your time to be sucked away. That's my take big takeaway, but there's yeah, lots we should of just do a whole podcast on it. Oh Jenny, my God. It's like, it's a great, a great topic. I want to create like an entire course on it. Of course, crediting Cal Newport and all the others, Tristan Harris and others who do this work. But I think like we have, because we run a technology company and an online business, it's, it's a challenge in particular for people like us who work on the internet to separate ourselves the same way that someone like Cal Newport does, who is a professor and who doesn't really need doesn't to own, use and doesn't the internet. Go, doesn't have any social media accounts. That's yeah, he other, doesn't need to use funny. it the same way that we do. So I think that there is, is actually like a really interesting conversation we should keep going on within another show or as a course or something around boundaries with respect to technology for those of us who actually live and work in this space in a more integrated way. So anyway... That's the joy and the hustle. You can thank me for all the research I did on face masks when you click the link and see the beautiful bandanas. They're probably going to be sold out, but you know. (laughs) That's how it goes. Thank you, Jenny. Super fun. Thank you, Sandy. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba teacher to sign up. It's totally free. 